All right. Hey, good evening, everybody. We're here for another episode, number 64 of Guns and the 701. And if you're wondering, everybody, no, Jamie didn't miraculously get better looking. We have a special <laughs> guest tonight. And Jamie, we hope you're feeling better. Uh, he, he had an allergic reaction. I don't exactly know what happened, but he's, uh, he's probably doing a little better now. He says he's watching live tonight. But as always, we are going to start this show like we do each and every week. And that's with our Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. All right. Well, then I guess we're just going to jump right into this. I want to introduce everybody to Erica Valdez. She's a rancher with her family down there on the New Mexico, uh, Mexico border right there, you know, U.S. and Mexico border. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to have her on. Being She's coming to North Dakota this weekend. Uh, she's going to be up there in that Dickinson area, and I think I have the information right here, right now. It's the District 9 Fall Roundup, October 21st. Pheasant Country Golf Course. Guys, that's just out there by South Hart. Anybody who lives in that area is going to know where that's at. Uh, Erica's the featured uh, speaker, and she's going to give some insight onto what's going on down at the border, how they live with this. Um, I really encourage everybody to get up there. That, and that, that uh, District 9 meeting is being put on by the Stark, I believe Stark County and um, a whole bunch of them up there in District 9 Farm Bureau. So it'll be a good time. Don't want to miss it on Saturday. My plans are to be there as well, but we'll see. You never know what happens on a ranch. Who knows? So Erica, why don't we start out and just kind of give us a little background and then we'll kind of go into it. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. First off, I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of help tell our story and uh, help educate, especially folks up north, what the realities of what life is like on the U.S.-Mexico mm -hmm. border. Uh, a little bit of background about me. I was born and raised here in the very southwest corner of the state of New Mexico. Um, my family's ranch is about 10 miles from the Arizona line and about 20 miles from the Arizona border, or for, excuse me, from the Mexican border. Um, my husband and I moved back here probably 13 years ago and 14 years ago and kind of took over uh, my mom's place and we just recently purchased it. So we are in for the long <laughs> haul now and we have a teenage daughter. So that ke she keeps us very busy. Oh. We rodeo, we ranch, we rope, we do all the things. And you're on the road a lot now. <laughs> a lot, yes. So uh, just quick question. How many generations will this be now on your place? Danley's the fourth generation to be raised. The reason here. I ask that because a lot of people in our area can relate to that. I, I can tell you that uh, this is the yes. same way. You had uh, my, of course, going to be my boys, and then my wife was here, and then her dad, and then her dad had it. So my kids end up being a fourth generation. I married into it, so I don't get to count. But it's, uh, you know, it, it means it means something to those of us who live on these places, and that's why what's going on down there with you guys. Probably is even worse. I know it's worse because you guys are threatened by a whole different threat than what we see up here right now. And I know we've talked about this that a little bit before the show is it's coming and it's here. We're seeing it, but not like you guys are. So I guess why don't you give us some of your experiences? Right. Well, I mean, there's so many different <laughs> stories to tell, you know, um, because we're so close to the border. I have to first preface with we are not directly on the border. We yeah. have a couple ranches that neighbor us that run you know east and west along the border but we our ranch is not directly on the border yeah. so uh they have it worse than we do in some ways and we have it worse in others you know by the time they get to us as far as when i say them i mean the illegal 
the illegal immigrants and the human and drug traffickers, by the time they get to us, they're pretty desperate. I mean, we're right south of a major interstate and that is a major pickup location for them. So by the time they get to us and trying to get to the interstate, they're, they're pretty desperate. Um, probably hungry, thirsty, um, probably a little disoriented sometimes right. they're, they don't really even know where they are and that's when things get kind of scary and desperate actions are taken occasionally we've had several vehicles stolen over the years um damage to every kind of infrastructure on the ranch whether it's pipelines floats valves fences anything like that they they just especially the watering systems they'll damage anything to get to water because you know, we're in the Chihuahuan desert. There is no live water. Everything is pumped out of the ground. So um, that's probably the biggest concern for us is the damage to watering facilities so that we're always having to go behind and fix and check to make sure our cattle can stay in water. Well, and I remember when I seen you up at our uh, Young Rancher Farmer uh, Conference, you had pictures of your stock tanks where, they, like you said, they were just swarmed around it. I mean, it was yeah. just like cattle being around, you know, what, what you see. And then yep. the damage you've done. And I'm guessing, is, is this a, the picture of a, I think it's a suburban. Is this one of your suburbans? No. So I'll, when I'll I, when I started. That's a pickup. Sorry. It's a Chevy pickup. It looks like. Okay. Yeah. So years ago when I started this, <laughs> this, I don't even know what you call it. <laughs> this uh, effort to educate the people up North about what the realities are like. I put kind of, put out kind of a, a call to action and asked for people that I knew along the Mexican border to send me pictures because it was important right. to me when I was doing our, my presentations that I wasn't just telling our side of the story. I wanted people to understand that it was, it was border residents from San Diego all the way to McAllen that are dealing with the same um, instances that we are. And I wanted just to make sure that it was a very well-rounded uh, representation of that. And so I uh, made some calls, talked to some friends, and they kind of reached out to their neighbors, and it just kind of spread. and And people sent me pictures and stories, and uh, I, you can't even imagine the stories that I was told. I mean, it was very similar to what we were dealing with, but to realize that so many other people were dealing with the same things that we were is pretty overwhelming. So that picture in particular was on a ranch. Um, that is in the very, I guess it'd be South central part of New Mexico. They're probably 50 miles okay. from us. Um, it was a truck that was stolen in the United States and they apparently they had taken it to Mexico. There were four or five drug runners in it that drove it back across the border. And at that time, this was before there was a wall. They, it was just a barbed wire okay. fence at the time. So they just ran right over the barbed wire fence across my friend's pasture and they they just kind of buried it right there and that's when they got they were apprehended but there's stories like that up and down the border every well, day no, like i said uh, when, when i was up there you were showing tons of pictures like that and just the things that and we're, right. we got some more pictures to share with everybody <laughs> one shot cap for a little little humor he says not built ford tough was it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know if a Ford could handle that either. Though. Uh, Vance Bishop, he's down there in Georgia. He says friends in Texas have illegals and on their game cams at their hunting property all the time, and I believe it. Uh, and all some of the pictures the you had showed us, and, and it was the trails, and those weren't from livestock; those were from 
basically illegals and they were probably drug mules if i remember right uh from your conversation up there in your presentation Correct. and that's probably the biggest thing and Correct. this is where we're going to lead into our second amendment thing to me this is yeah it's an invasion on our country there's no doubt it's also it's an infringement on our right to to basically protect ourselves and there's a reason for that and everybody i want everybody to hear this that's why i thought it was very important for you to come on here and by the way i was just checking out there's people tuned in on your Facebook page. So welcome. Welcome to the North Dakota guns in the 701. Uh, the people are listening on your page. So, but kind of lead into why, because I remember, remember I asked you the question, why don't you shoot them? And uh, I thought the answer was very, very clear. And then as it kind of opened my eyes, like I never even give that a thought. So uh, you do ride basically you armed, but it is not necessarily going to do, do you much good. You, you kind of, from what I understand, you, you go your way and they stay there and go their way and you you kind of ignore them and kind of lead into why that's probably not even a possibility and what could happen. Well, I mean, it depends on who you're running right. into, first of all. But I think there's a comparing the illegal immigration to the human and drug traffickers is like comparing apples and oranges is two completely different scenarios. When you run into the illegal immigrants, most of them are genuinely coming here for work and for a better way of life. Um, over the years, they've gotten a little more uh, entitled, I guess, and maybe a little more aggressive where they are more demanding and not so humble and appreciative like they were when I was in high school. But um, that's a completely different bracket of people compared to the human and drug traffickers, those individuals that you come across, if you come across them, you know, they, one, they're married to the cartel. So no matter what you do, they have a job to complete. And if they don't complete that job, there's big repercussions for them when they get back to Mexico. So you're just a casualty. If you want to pick a fight with them, you're most likely going to lose for one thing. And second, even if you did come out superior to that, the retaliation from the cartel is nothing that I'm going to, I'm willing to bring on to my family. They will come in and kill my whole family with me watching just to prove a point. And I'm not willing to risk that. So we don't, we kind of have a, um, uh, just a kind of an understanding that we're just going to ride past them. If we do see them, we rarely call them in unless something is seriously wrong, meaning someone's dying right. or someone's hurt. Um, I've never, I haven't even called in in a drug drop in quite a while. And it really has nothing to do with um, like the, I has nothing to do with the border patrol. I just don't want that, that risk of retaliation. They know right. whose property the minute they cross into the States until the, to the highway or to the interstate. So I just don't, it's not worth the risk, I guess. Well, I don't blame. I know that you know you were you spoke down in Deadwood, and you said there was a you know basically you kind of were on edge because you had an incident. Uh, you remember what that incident was that you talked about? Yes, yeah. So my husband and I had moved cattle out of our mountain country, which our mountain country goes up to about sixty five hundred feet. It's pretty rocky and pretty rough terrain. We had gone in. Um, we had gone into this um, to this pasture from different sides, and I had dropped down into this canyon. And I was going to ride all the way up the canyon and just kind of check the slopes on my way up to see if I saw any traffic or any, excuse me, any um, cattle. About halfway up this canyon, my horse stopped to pee and I was just kind of like <laughs> leaned over him looking up the side of the slopes to see if I saw any, any uh, cattle. And when I looked in front of me, there were four 
drug runners dressed in American military camo. They had carpet shoes on, they had black masks, they had ARs, and they had big 50-pound bales of some yeah. sort of drug strapped to their Quickly, backs. Ex explain to everybody carpet shoes because I remember okay. you, you had to explain it to us. Yeah, so, we'll so carpet shoes are, are basically exactly what they sound like. It's a piece of carpet that they wrap around their shoe and lace up over the top of their, their foot. Uh, it's used to to hide their tracks and you know it, they don't leave a track or any type of boot imprint with them so they it's just used for camouflage and to keep their tracks concealed yeah, yeah. so anyway I, yeah so i remember when I you told us them. i was like well it's just kind of uh yeah i never even give it a thought but yeah it'd be making them even more untraceable probably yeah yeah they do and so when i saw them i uh i kind of jumped and i had a pistol in my leggings pocket and i reached for it and when i did they got kind of you know, they kind of got aggressive, not where they came to me, but they became more alert. And I instantly just took my hand off my pistol and kind of waved and I had to ride right past him to get by him. And sure enough, not long after I got past him, I found some cattle and had to kick them down into that same draw that they were at. Um, I finished my gather. When I finally got back in service, I called my husband and told him what happened. And he asked if I want, if we wanted to call it in. And I said, no, I'd rather not. Um, they saw my face. They knew who I, I'm sure they knew who I was. So I just decided not to call it in. Well, the next day I was in that same pasture. I'd come in from the other side and I wanted to top out on that big peak that, uh, that I saw them on the day before, just to see if I could see any cattle. We were just looking for stragglers. So I wanted, was trying to get up high. Um, I got about three quarters of the way up that mountain and I stopped in this little saddle, kind of loosened my cinch, had cell phone service. So I called my husband, told him where I was at, um, <laughs> finished, got back on, got up to the top and there was a very fresh spotters camp. And um, for those that know, know what a spotters camp is, it's typically they'll have a spotter get up high with, they usually have very high tech binoculars and radios and all that sort of thing and they can radio down to anybody that's on the ground if they see traffic coming in as far as border patrol ranchers any sort of anybody that's not supposed to be there for them um it was a very fresh spotters camp and i was certain that they had me in their sights the night before the day before it was pretty eerie feeling yeah and so are those the people that are actually cartel people that were sent there because they've got the, the equipment and the, the high-tech yes. stuff and yes, they're probably illegals or are they people that are actually stationed here and work for them? No, I would. I well, you know, I've never had a conversation oh. with one, oh. but I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming they're all illegals. I don't think okay. I'd be surprised if they had anybody here in the States full time. All right. Now, that, that would be that would be eerie to know that, uh, you know, if they're there, you know, darn well, they saw you the day before. Without a probably doubt. had a, probably had crosshairs on you. Who knows? Yes. You don't know what yes. they got. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be uh, that'd be a little spooky. So it was. I'm going to pull up one of the pictures you, you sent me here. And I think this is yeah right here. Let me see if it pulls up. So is that basically what we're talking about? Yes. So that guy has tennis shoes on. You can't see the carpet shoes in that picture. One of the pictures mm -hmm. I sent you shows them very clearly. But yeah, those are 50-pound bales, most likely right marijuana. Yep, there's the carpet shoes. You can see how they wrap them around their tracks or around their feet, excuse me. Yeah. And, um, and for you guys that are listening on the podcast, just the audio, just go uh, go to YouTube or go to our website or you know our, our normal place and take a look at these because this is this is what's happening down here. You, you can't really grasp it till you see it. So go ahead. Yeah. So go ahead. you can see <laughs> they all have gallon jugs of water and they're usually black. 
Um, so we find those scattered all over the ranch. We find, I can't tell you how many camouflage backpacks we found over the years and blankets and trash food, like food, trash cans and things like uh -huh. that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a very common site. And yeah. And, and like you said, they're making paths right across your private property. I know you it made a quote like a that one. Yeah. You, you made a quote or they quoted you in, in one of these deals from Cattleman Weekly it said, it's your place in the day and there's by night. Yes. And Absolutely. I would imagine it's even getting maybe not so much just the night anymore. Probably it's uh, getting to be pretty common in the daylight too. Well, it depends on the time of year. During the winter, we see them a lot more during the daylight. During the summer, we, you know, we will hit 110 for 50 or 60 days straight. So right. they don't travel too much during the summer. Uh, it's more at night. But when you do see them at during the day, they're usually brushed up like those guys that I saw um, in that canyon. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's when the element of surprise happens. And that's when things can get a little scary sometimes, because especially if they're sleeping and you come up on them, the first thing they do is pull their guns. And what are they usually carrying? Is it handguns or rifles? Something like ARs. that. Everybody ARs? has an AR. So they got ARs coming from Mexico, not AKs. That's actually kind of surprising because AKs flood in there pretty heavily mm -hmm. as well. But so they're using our American AR-15. Correct. And I guarantee you they know how to use it. I guarantee you they do. <laughs> so... So, yeah, I mean, when you think about this, everybody who's listening, you know, this is their private property. And you carry, I'm guessing you carry a pistol, maybe even a rifle at times. I, I carry a pistol. I don't ever ride with a rifle. Um, my okay. husband sometimes rides with a rifle, but rarely. It's usually just a pistol that you can fit in your leggings pocket. Okay. And, I mean, when you think about what you're going up against, that's kind of false sense of security. It's probably yeah, better for a snake totally. or a rodent or a varmint. Because when Correct. you meet these people, I guarantee you they're, probably a lot like me and some of my friends were very well trained we know how to use that and if you know how to use that particular firearm to its max yeah uh, <laughs> i don't think you're going to do much with a pistol well you're out armed and really and i say this during my talks all the time i don't want to take that responsibility on the weight of killing somebody i don't i don't want mm -hmm. that i don't want to put myself in that situation i dang sure don't want to put my daughter in that situation it's easier to ride past them and act like you don't see them or just ignore them because yeah. I don't want to well, carry that weight. And it's the, and like you said, the, the repercussions that would come from that, Absolutely. Uh, you know, the cartels coming out, that'd be the worst. Yes. I have no issue. If someone's threatening me, I will put them down. Right. That's just the way I've been trained and, and brought right. up and I'll do it. But that's a hell of a decision to make. It really is. Yep. And uh, it's something you'll live with for the rest of your life. Luckily I haven't had life. to do it. And uh, I've only had to pull my protection firearm three times. So I'm, I'm, I'm good to go right now, but right. I can tell you the things that would happen to you down there if you did that to one of them. Just I, I said this always resonated since we since I seen you speak and you made that answer. It's like, wow, you know, we don't deal with that here. No. You know, if someone comes and does something bad to you and threatens you and you take them out here, their family isn't coming after you and their 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 boss. And you know, think about what happens down there. You have a drug cartel extensively. I don't know if you could survive it. You'd probably have to go into protective custody. Yep. Yep. So, and like I said, it's it's easier and safer for us just to turn a blind eye to it. And that's what 99% of the people that live on the border and within, within 100 miles of the border, that's the stance they take. And now did you, and we'll go, we're, gonna, we're coming up, we're going to take a first break here. But did you not have a, a neighbor or someone who was killed just by basically that same scenario? Yes. Okay. Um, so when we come back, we'll talk okay. a little bit about that. We're going to go and thank Laura Auto and pay some bills here. 
and then we'll come back and talk about exactly what happens if you do stand up to them, basically. Okay. Don't go anywhere, anyone. <laughs> Lauer Auto Repair. They're located at 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota, or give them a call at 701-258-6308. The team of mechanics at Lauer Auto can tackle any problem your vehicle is having, and when you do business with Lauer, you can be assured you're doing business with the Pro Second Amendment America First Repair Shop. There's plenty of other auto repair shops in the Bismarck Mandan area, but why take the chance of patronizing a shop that might not have your beliefs at heart? Make no mistake, Lauer Auto is your Pro Second Amendment repair shop. When you talk to the guys at Lauer Auto, don't forget to tell them you heard they're a sponsor of Guns and the 701 and that you appreciate their support of our Pro Second Amendment, Pro North Dakota, live stream and podcast. That's Lauer Auto Repair, 701-258-6308, located at 309 South Washington Street, Bismarck, North Dakota. Guns and the 701 is sponsored by the Blind Guy of North Dakota. For all your custom window coverings, you can contact them at 701-222-3932. They're freedom-minded, they're patriotic, and they love the Second Amendment. This husband-wife team was born and raised right here in North Dakota and based out of Bismarck. Again, for your Second Amendment company, for all your custom window coverings, the blind guy of North Dakota, 701-222-3932, or visit them on the web at blindguynd.com. All right. And again, thanks to our sponsors, Lau Auto Repair. Hey, 309 South Washington Street, Bismarck, North Dakota, 701-258-6308. I tell you what, everybody, hunting seasons are here. Go get that vehicle tuned up, and Doug and the boys will take care of you right down there in Lauer Auto Repair. All right. So what we were talking about before the break was a little bit about a neighbor you had, and kind of tell us that story. Okay. Uh, well, there's two different instances and I'm not really sure which one you're referring to, but, um, if I remember right, it was a guy who I think he'd actually had a shotgun. Is that what I remember? If I recall correctly. And, uh, didn't he maybe even fire some shots? Okay. So, uh, about 70 miles Southeast of, uh, or Southwest of us, excuse me. Um, there's a right on the Arizona, New Mexico line, but in Arizona, there's some good, good, friends of ours. I went to school with their kids and the father of the family, Rob Krentz, he went out to check waters one day. He was on um, like a Polaris Ranger, just a little buggy. And he had a dog and his rifle and he was running through waters. He radioed to his family and said that he saw um, an illegal that looked like he was in distress and he was going to go check him out. That was the last thing they heard from him. And uh, when he didn't come in that night, they sent a search party. They didn't know where he was exactly. And our country's really big. You know, when you run eight cows to a section, you need a lot of country. And so it took him several hours to find him. When they did, he was shot and killed. His dog was shot and killed. The ranger was still there um, running. And wow. it looked to them like he had come up on somebody and it was an ambush of some sort. I don't, they don't think that the man was really in distress um, from the way his tracks looked when he was heading back into Mexico. It looked like an ambush and um, they, he had shot Rob while he was speeding away from him and mm. the dog was killed and his tracks went back straight back into Mexico. They had a search party that followed his tracks to the 
border and they never could go any further. And so his killer was never apprehended. Um, that tore our community apart because, um, you know, his kids went to school with us. It's a small community. Everybody knows everybody. And it was, it was really, really hard on all of us. Um, so there's one instance. The second one is, um, there was a man that worked for the local well drilling company and there's a huge ranch that's south of us that runs along several miles of the Mexican border. It's like 400 sections. It's a monster. Oh, ranch. wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like um, <laughs> they do this dr- well drilling company does a lot of work on that ranch as far as, you know, water and pipeline and wells and, and all the, all kinds of water issues and water repairs. He had taken a hit a, work vehicle down there and he was going to walk a blade out of this canyon up to the closest county road. Um, It just was an instance of being in the wrong spot at the wrong time. He dropped down into this canyon. There was a truck that was buried in the mud, which shouldn't have been there. It was a drive-through from the night before um, Mm. that got stuck and they, the drug runners took him captive, bound him, gagged him, threw all of his tools out of his truck and threw their drugs in his truck and took his truck and drove with him in it across the country until they got to the highway. Um, The tracks and all the police reports and everybody, all the people that came together to look for him, you know, found this buried truck, found all the the tools thrown out, found his, the tracks going across the country to where it hit the highway and finally they made it into Arizona made their drop and turned him loose and took his wallet and said if you speak to the police about this we will we will come find you wow and so it was it was horrible um he he never really spoke about it to the sheriff's department he still works for that well drilling company but the the well drilling company had to take major precautions after that sending anybody south with a team of two instead of sending somebody by themselves. So they had to double up on manpower and employees and, and all the things. And it was just, it, there's just so many ramifications from it that hurt our entire community. That is kind of the reason I got started in this is because we were talking at a, the local mercantile one day about it and everybody was saying, and it never even made like state news, much less national news. And that was really discouraging for us. So we ended up, I ended up posting a, a public meeting on it. And we had six different um, businesses and locals speak about how the border issues have affected their businesses, whether they are ranchers, vets, real estate, um, the well drilling, the education system, all of the above. We invited all of the uh, legislators from Arizona and New Mexico to come. Uh, We invited every, like at that time, um, it was right before the 2016 elections. Yeah, 2016 elections. And so we invited all of the presidential candidates to come. Of course, no one showed up (laughs) that side, but we did. It was a very well-received presentation. You know, the the media kind of ran with it and we got a lot of publicity and we're able to take lots of film crews down to the border and show what the border actually looked like at that time. Um, And it was, that's kind of how I got started in this and it just escalated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that's how you ended up here in North Dakota last year. Correct. Um, our people probably at state probably had heard of it. I, I don't even know how that happened. Did, did someone from our headquarters contact you or did you have another contact? No. So the, the North Dakota Farm Bureau 
presentation. So the first time I ever went up to South Dakota, the first time I ever went and spoke about this was in South Dakota at the South Dakota Women in Ag Conference. So that would have been the Deadwood um, uh, deal. Okay. Yes. Yes. And there were some Farm Bureau women there that were from North Dakota. And I ended up going back up to South Dakota a second time and spoke at a different Women in Ag Conference. And then some more North Dakota Farm Bureau women were there and it just kind of escalated. It just you know, word of mouth and <laughs> referrals. And before I knew it, my phone's ringing all the time. That's how it happens. I'm telling you, I yes. know exactly what you're talking about. And, yes. and that's how, now all of a sudden you're speaking and, and you're doing it a lot. And at first, you know, uh, you're volunteering. And that, then after a while, you're like, you know, I got to get some kind of compensation, at least to cover expense. Yeah, I know all about right. it. <laughs> yes. So, you know, and like I said, when I was listening to you, I was listening to all this stuff, and it was an eye-opener to me. We don't get that. Up. I mean, we're starting to see it now. There's different news outlets around here, like Real America's Voice. Newsmax is okay. But Real America's Voice, I mean, they got a guy down there on the border constantly. He even has a show called Law and Border, and he's just exposing this stuff everywhere, all along the border, what's happening, what isn't happening, what should happening. And he's showing live footage of things of people coming around and just boom coming right across the border. Nothing stops mm -hmm. them. Border patrols there, but they're being overwhelmed. It looks like to me, especially right now. Well, they, they, they are overwhelmed and, and honestly, they're not allowed to do the job that they were hired especially for. Now. I mean, this administration does not want them to, to um, stop anybody and to make those arrests and, and return those people back to Mexico. They, they don't want it done. They're so just actively being told to stand down essentially, aren't they? Correct. And, and yeah, I mean, under how did that contrast when, when Trump and I, you know, we got, I don't care which side people are on. I'm a definitely a Trump supporter, but it's that aside. What was the contrast? What was it like after Trump got in there? I know that it didn't stop, but what, what was the difference? I'm guessing it's like night and day. Well, it was, it was in some ways, you know, um, for once, in several years, we saw the morale of Border Patrol was improved. They were excited to be able to do their job mm -hmm. again. And uh, we have some very good friends within the Border Patrol. They're, they raise their kids in our communities. They're part of our communities. Um, and it's really hard to see them just completely with their hands tied and only able to do so much. It's especially when you join uh some and when you take a job like that for a certain purpose and you're not allowed to do it, it's 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 really disappointing. Oh, yeah. But um, the the biggest thing that we saw as far as the change in traffic with Trump's administration was the number of illegal immigrants completely stopped. You know, at that time he was. We had a lot of construction crews on the border, and you didn't see people coming through, even if they didn't have the wall up yet, the presence of warm bodies on the border was what was stopping people from coming across. It was a deterrent. And so the people, it was a huge deterrent. Yeah. 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 They, there was, there were warm bodies on the border, whether they were border patrol or not, they weren't going to risk coming across because there was somebody there. Right. And, and that really helped on the illig the immigration side. You know, we didn't see the numbers that we're seeing now. Um, it didn't really slow down the drug and the drug trafficking too much. You know, we didn't see the number of people that we saw before, but the drugs were still there. And honestly, it doesn't matter who's in office and it doesn't matter if there's a wall down there or not. It's not going to stop the drug, the influx of drugs into this country. They're going to find a way over it, under it and through it. And that's, I continue to show pictures of that during my well, talks because I think you sent it's me not going to stop. Of these here. 
Uh, let me pull these up here. Um, yeah, here's one. And it kind of shows, I mean, there's a big gap with what, yep. a, a few iron, you know. And I don't, I, you know, I visited with, uh, I've never visited with anybody from the construction crews on the wall. Mm -hmm. So I don't really understand the purpose of these gaps, <laughs> but they're along the entire wall. There's these 20 or 30 foot gaps. Yeah. I don't know if they were going to put some sort of a drainage system in there and they never got done um, or, or what. I, I have no I have no idea what those gaps are, but they're yeah. everywhere. Well, I know, and, and these are just a few of the pictures you sent. I remember you the slide. So that show. is where I'll bring it back up in a second. So that is where, whenever they stopped construction, that's, that's what is. was that was where that it just ended. You know, they they just left it, and they left it up to the the landowner to manage and maintain those fences because at that time they had ripped out all of the vehicle barriers and the bollard fencing. And so they had to go in and just put barbed wire fencing back up. Really? Mm -hmm. So the private landowner got stuck holding the, holding the basket again. Correct. Well, and I know some of the slides you showed us up there at that uh, farmer ranch convention, basically you showed places where they had drainage areas that were unfinished and that was right. big wide open. You showed the materials that were laying there. They were there. They, they could have been put up at any time, but yet there they were. And yep. if I remember right, I heard something about, I think the Biden administration actually declared it surplus and got rid of it after that. And I don't know what they're doing now, but. Yeah. You know, I heard, I saw on Facebook actually that they were starting to auction off material that was on the border. <laughs> I don't really know how the auction works. I don't know if they're having live auctions or you bid on it online. I don't, yeah. I didn't follow it that much, but you know, we have some very good friends that live on the border. Just, um, well, the people that have the ranch where that red truck was. Mm -hmm. And I mean, baseball size fields of, of brand new metal, yeah. just laying Ready out there to in go. the dirt. And yeah, just sitting and there. it's just going to be auctioned off. Yeah. That's pretty sad. Well, it shows waste on top of it, which that frustrates me anyway with government. But I think the big thing here is, and I bet you a lot of the listeners and I don't even realize it. And I didn't then that there are illegal aliens that come across when that's, that's a different group than say your drug runners, your cartels and your mules. Very. And like you said, it pretty much was down to a trickle illegal aliens coming in here. Yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers. I don't believe the media much. Go look at their own numbers and you can see it was down to a trickle. And now it's not so much, like you said, their hands are tied, but the drugs, you're, the war on drugs. Oh yeah. The war on drugs. That, that's been a success, hasn't it? Hasn't it? And I think that's why, you know, when I, when I do my talks, especially up North, like South Dakota and North Dakota, I, I always try to emphasize that, yeah, the, we deal with the traffic and the, the destruction that comes from that, mm -hmm. but the drugs aren't staying here. Oh. They're coming to your communities and your schools. And that's why it's something that needs to be everybody's concern, not just ours. Every, everybody in this country, every small town in this country needs to be worried about it and needs to be talking to their legislators and needs to be fighting it. I don't have a solution and I wish I did, but um, I think the more we can educate people on what the realities are like, the the better we're going to be. Well, and it, ain't just, it ain't just drugs we're seeing up here and we know it's coming up here now. It's starting to, people are finally starting to take notice because it's starting to affect everybody, every right. little community. Illegal guns is also a huge thing, which I, oh, yeah. you know, I, I look into that because that's what we do here. And I right. mean, the illegal guns that are coming across that border right now, and a lot of it's AK-47s. It's things that are built you know, overseas, and they're coming in town through Mexico. It's easy to get them up, and then just they shoot them right up into here. And that has just exploded because there's nobody to stop it. Right. And at least guns are, 
it weren't near as bad as drugs, but I think it's just as bad now. And probably the same people running those those uh, illegal gun operations. I imagine the cartels are like, hey, another steady stream of income. Why not? Oh, yeah. And there's yeah, they're going to do anything to make a buck. And no pushback. None. None. And um, none. And then we got, yeah, well, that's a whole nother thing. Let's see. What do we got going on here in the chat? Well, Brian Warner, he kind of mentioned the uh, the wall. I hope that answered your question, Brian. He said, you know, or any wall. And like you said before, and you told us that, you know, last year, the wall wasn't stopping that part of it. It was, it was helping with the illegal aliens, but it was not doing much for the drug running. It did slow it down. Right. I mean, I'm sure it slowed it down, but it's not going to stop it. And I mean, here's a question. I was never the one that. Oh, ahead, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a question right from Marty Beard for you. It says, Erica, have you seen or heard or of any border crossing by single men of military age with United Nations credentials? You know, I don't have recent statistics on this, but anybody that the border patrol, border patrol classifies them as OTMs other than Mexicans. Okay. Um, at whenever, especially during the asylum seeker uh, invasions, is that, if that's what you want to call it, because that's what it was. Um, there was a huge increase in in that OTM classification, and I don't have exact numbers, but we're talking Iranians, Iraq. Um, uh, I imagine Chinese. Well, lots of yeah, Chinese. There was. I'm trying to think. There was an. I can't think of the other one. <laughs> there was just. There were a lot of. There was a huge increase in what Border Patrol calls OTMs. And if you go to the CBP website, which it's hard to understand just how much of that is actually accurate, because you know well, those numbers they say are are one in six of what's actually coming across, but that'll give you a pretty good idea of what they're, what those OTM numbers are at. And it's staggering. I would bet it's even higher than one in six. That's just what they know of the ones that they catch or right. see. And I, I know that there's been other people who kind of analyze that. And that's, that's on, on that law and border show. He does that. And uh, he thinks it's way, way, way higher. And it probably is. I mean, there's people probably. coming in here. They have no clue. This is no clue. Nope. All right. Doug Thompson, he's got a comment here. He says, uh, parents just made it back to Arizona own a house in Whitman and he rides in a desert on a four-wheeler by himself a lot or he'll ride his horse out there and I imagine I don't know what it's like in Arizona I don't know exactly where Whitman is it's got to be closer down to the border I imagine but um anything you know about that area probably not yeah no Whitman is Whitman is is north of Phoenix okay. so it's a it's a good ways from the border there's probably illegals there but um the the dangers of that what we're dealing with probably isn't as prevalent there and then of course we we're just talking about the overwhelming majority of fentanyl coming over the border is from american citizens bringing it in dime bags and it you know it's coming across it's coming up here it's it's making it even into our north dakota community you're starting to see it in the little communities and yeah you know it all originates in mexico it's so easy to bring it across it is and and i always say this too you know when we were worried about the 50 pound bales of marijuana, could you imagine 50 pounds of fentanyl? Oh my goodness. And Way if they, if these guys are, Oh, and they, these guys that are bringing them across, I mean, they're fit. They are fit athletes. I mean, they're trained military athletes is what I call them. They are in shape and uh, they can trek all day long up through rocky, nasty country <laughs> with 50 pound bales on their backs. And if they can bring 50 pound bales of marijuana and they're going to bring 50 pounds of fentanyl as well. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they they that's what they get paid to do. So I got a question. Mm -hmm. Is this 
Is this one, is this marijuana or is this something else? Yeah, that's marijuana. Okay. So yeah. that was a whole, looks like a whole suburban full. Yes. Yeah. They had it. Um, that was actually down south of us. They had a big camouflage tarp over it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know exactly what happened here. I just know that the suburban sat at like a dirt road intersection for several days covered with this tarp. Is that this one here? Um, so, yep. Okay. That's it. And uh, they, <laughs> it was several days before the Border Patrol saw it or confiscated it or what, but that was, yeah, that was down by down south of us. And it was full of marijuana. Full of marijuana. Now, think about that as fentanyl because you know that's happening too. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, I know the, the, the Border Patrol has been overwhelmed. I imagine the morale, the morale of the people sucks probably because they know they got no support. They're there. They're trying to fight, do what they need to do. And my guess is, is that they just, they don't even know what to do. They're probably just as distraught as the rest of us are with this. The border patrol, you mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, there's good and bad eggs all through the border patrol. The yep. majority of them are good and they want to do a good job. And like I said, they're raising families in our communities and they want to be a part of our community. They just want to do a good job. They want to feel like they're making a difference. And with this administration, they they can't. I mean, they're just literally pushed to filing papers. Well, and I mean, they. I now I assume you've seen it, but I know some North Dakota uh, National Guard guys were called down there. I don't know if they went, but other National Guard units have been called up to go down there to help with this. And then you see them down there, and they're not doing anything to stop it. They're just helping to bring them and orderly put them in and do whatever they're doing, and then turning them loose. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. The, the only reason the National Guard was brought in, especially during the last um, asylum seekers, um, you know, group that came through, um, they were used to help process everybody that was coming across. <laughs> These big processing stations were put in and they were just their basic job was to maintain order and and speed up the processing speed up the processing of, of our invasion yeah they were none of them were re, were kicked back <laughs> and then now old beijing biden's over there talking to israel talking about how build a wall and defend the border but we don't do it here yeah. <laughs> you know no. and i've heard this and i've said it myself is you know if we line the border with our military which it could be done uh, would it deter it? Would it slow it down or will they find another way? I mean, what's your thought on that? Well, I have, I have lots of thoughts on it. <laughs> I, I would like to, I would like to see it because nope. it would stop it. But the problem is, is when you use, when you utilize that 60 foot of Roosevelt easement and mm -hmm. put them directly on the border, you're basically declaring war. And I know no administration, even Trump's would probably take that risk and put that weight on their shoulders. I don't, I don't know how the Mexican nationals would, would respond to it, but um, I, I just can't I ever, someone is willing well, to take I mean, I, risk and make that stand. I mean, I've always liked the idea. I don't see it declaring war. I call it, it's a, it's actually constitutional protection. I mean, we're supposed to protect our border with any means necessary. I agree. I agree. And but the way it, it's perceived and the way it's written mm -hmm. is that when you put military directly on that Roosevelt easement, it's a declaration of war. And I don't see any government that's going to. Oh yeah. Politics. Yeah. You're, you're it's, right. It's, I have no doubt. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to see it. I always thought well, that would be the way to stop it. It would. Or it at would. Least trickle it. Mm -hmm. And they, they probably wouldn't like the orders if I was president that I'd give. 
Um, who knows? I'd probably be a one-term president. I don't know. But yeah. my orders would be shoot to kill. I don't care. I'd call it an invasion because that, that's my It belief. is an invasion. And it is. It and is I an would invasion. have to. And I, at that point, as the chief, you know, commander in chief, I got to protect the border. That's actually a duty. Right. And no one's done it. I mean, it, this has been this ain't this is not a new problem. It's gotten worse, I think. But Correct. we've seen this for decades, going all the way back to Reagan. And then Reagan, of course, pretty much said, "All right, well, we're going to make everybody. It's okay. Give you a get out of jail free card." And now we're back here, even worse than we were in the eighties. Right. That didn't work either. No, it didn't. <laughs> so, and that's what, like, every time I give these these talks, I get asked, "Well, what can we do?" And I I don't have a solution for it. I think in order to address the immigration side of it, the entire immigration system is going to have to have a major overhaul and reform. And I don't, I, I don't think I'll ever see that in my lifetime. Even if they started to overhaul it now, that's going to take years and years and years mm -hmm. in order to make it where it's effective. And well, it would take years and years and years mm -hmm. of administrations working together to make it effective. <laughs> and that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening either. Mm -hmm. And you got uh, you got one side, and let's just face it, the Democrats know that a lot of these people come in, and they will become Democrat voters, whether they're legal or not. Without we got deal. states already that are they're letting illegals vote in their elections. Yep. Republicans are on the other side going, no, we, we can't allow it. And I can tell you right now, we have stopped immigration in this country in the past, where we had periods of time where we brought nobody in. And the only way you're going to probably fix this is to have that declaration again, which I don't see that happening. Mm -mm. That way, you know who can and can't come in. There was there were exceptions at times, those that got married to people from outside the country. But there were long periods of time where we literally did not let anybody come to the country to live and, and be citizens. And then, they, you know, they'd lift it and then they'd bring it. But that hasn't happened in decades. And that's the only way I think you have time to reform it. Then you start to talk about reforming it. You can't reform something that's happening right before your very eyes very easily. Right. Oh, oh that must have been your dogs, huh? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's sorry. okay. Well, tell you what, let's take another quick break here. We're coming up 10 minutes before the top of the hour. It goes fast, don't it? We'll take yes. another break, and then we'll come back and, uh, of course, solve all the other problems, right? Perfect. <laughs> okay. Let's take a break here. Lauer Auto Repair. They're located at 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota, or give them a call at 701-258-6308. The team of mechanics at Lauer Auto can tackle any problem your vehicle is having, and when you do business with Lauer, you can be assured you're doing business with the Pro Second Amendment America First Repair Shop. There's plenty of other auto repair shops in the Bismarck Mandan area, but why take the chance of patronizing a shop that might not have your beliefs at heart? Make no mistake, Lauer Auto is your pro Second Amendment repair shop. When you talk to the guys at Lauer Auto, don't forget to tell them you heard they're a sponsor of Guns and the 701 and that you appreciate their support of our pro Second Amendment, pro North Dakota, live stream and podcast. That's Lauer Auto Repair, 701-258-6308, located at 309 South Washington Street, Bismarck, North Dakota. Guns and the 701 is sponsored by the Blind Guy of North Dakota. For all your custom window coverings, you can contact them at 701-222-3932. They're freedom-minded, they're patriotic, and they love the Second Amendment. This husband-wife team was born and raised right here in North Dakota and based out of Bismarck. Again, for your Second Amendment company, for all your custom window coverings, the blind guy of North Dakota, 701-222-3932, or visit them on the web at blindguynd.com. 
All right. Welcome back, everybody. Again, thanks to Lauer Auto Repair. He's one of our founding sponsors. So stop down there at 309 South Washington. Give him a holler and just have him fix up that rig. He'll do a hell of a job for you. 701-258-6308. So I had a text message come in from Jamie, the other co-host here. <clears throat> he wanted to know if you ever have heard of any place where these illegals are getting their AR-15s, or do they come over here and have somebody straw purchase them and then get them from a Mex or get them from a Mexican military. Any knowledge have, to that? I have no idea where they're getting them. I know that when we see them on our place, they're armed, and I don't know. I'm assuming they're coming across with them. I'd be really surprised if they were not. But I have no okay. idea where they're getting them. I wish. So I yeah, the, good question. Maybe and, I don't uh, want to know. Yeah, good question. Maybe it's something we can look into. I like yeah. kind of researching that stuff. It's a good question. So I might have to go and do that. But yeah, so I guess, uh, is there anything else you want to add as far as what, I know what your presentations have been like, but uh, did you want to tell our audience? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I just appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, I appreciate you taking, you taking the time to let me tell my story and you know just bring awareness to the issue. The mainstream media is not covering it correctly. Uh, our administration does not want it known. The, the reality is known, and I just appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you one outlet. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but it's Real America's Voice. Check them out if you haven't. They're probably one of the, I'd say, unbiased for sure. They might even lean a little towards the right, but they actually give you news, and they report stuff like the border that you never see. Otherwise, I'd never know about it. If I was watching regular news up here, wouldn't hear to hear a thing. I don't right. know. All I'd hear is what the mainstream would be putting out there. And that isn't much. And it surely isn't, uh, it Accurate. surely isn't the truth. No. <laughs> I do find it funny though, to watch all these cities that claim themselves and states that they're sanctuary cities and states. And now they're complaining that they're overrun and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, what'd you think was going to happen? Yeah. You made that bed. Now you get to sleep in it. That's the way Absolutely. I look at it. I mean, they just, it's such ignorance. It's such ignorance. Yeah, and that's what it is. It, it's and ideology it really is, and, and ignorance. Yeah, and you know, it really is a humanitarian issue from a mother's perspective. I like my heart goes out to them, wanting, willing to put themselves through what they go through to come across with their kids to give their those kids a better way of life. I might I have a bleeding heart for them, and I do sympathize. <laughs> and I don't think that we should just turn them away. I think that there's got to be some sort of a solution here. But the drugs and the human traffickers, especially trafficking kids back into mexico american kids back into mexico they all need to be hung <laughs> well i'm sure you've seen sound of freedom yes and i uh, you know we you went to that be. movie uh our, me and my wife and my family and we went and seen that and i tell you what that uh <laughs> it, it gutted me and I, I think it probably hits people more when they have kids. Oh, I, mean, I think it hit everybody, but that movie, and of course they tried to silence that. They didn't want they that did. showing anywhere. We made sure to make a point and go to it. And it was a true story. That's what, knowing yep. that that stuff was true. Yep. That was probably the worst part. Yep. And exactly. And I think, I think that's, there's just so many people that don't, that don't have any idea how many kids are going back across um, from the States and, the drugs that are coming here, the kids that are going back across, it's a sick, sick world. It is. And they're, they're armed to the teeth and, and I mean, they, and they're financed. Well, Jamie asked, he said, you'd figure these guys coming across wouldn't have any money to do this. Well, thing is, it isn't them. 
they're being paid by cartels to do yeah. this. They they don't need to buy nothing. They're probably provided with everything. There's so much money behind it. Oh, huge money. And that's why it's, we're not going to be able to stop it. I just wish I wish that I had a solution, but I don't. Well, I think everybody knows or wishes they had one. I mean, I know one that would be a start. It would right. not be popular. We already discussed it. I'd probably even be more hardcore than most. And I can tell you right now, it would not be popular with both sides. Yeah, no. And, you know, I agree with you. I think, and I, I think you'd be surprised or probably not surprised. There's a lot of people that agree with you on how it should be handled, but. I mean, it, it, it definitely would be, I mean, rather than fighting wars across to where we don't belong, like Ukraine and Israel, any, any place else right now, we don't have the, we shouldn't be over there meddling in that. Let's, let's take care of our homeland. And Absolutely. to me, if there's any time to do it right now is that one, but it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen right now. Especially, uh, especially with, this with, administration. with this administration, you know, it'll be interesting to see after the election. Well, we'll get through all that. I, I, yeah. I make no bones about be voting for Trump. I have no doubt he's going to be the primary candidate winner. I just, I, I don't see how anybody else comes out of, in the Republican party to beat him. Yeah. And uh, if he gets in, it'll be interesting to see now that he knows what he knows, because I think he's pretty pissed off. I went and seen him speak in rapid city. I've never seen that before. This guy's pissed and he has every right to be. He has every right to be. And I think he's going to do different things. He's definitely going to, there are going to be a lot of people fired. I think there'll be a lot of pink slips the first day. So but we got to, yeah. that's, uh, you know, that's one thing. We got to get him there first, right? <laughs> yeah. One shot cap. That's, I can tell you why. Why isn't AOC down there crying? <laughs> well, we all know why she isn't going to yeah. do that. Same um, reason Biden and Harris aren't. <laughs> Yeah, so Biden, he should visit, but where'd he go? No, he went over to the Middle East. He's been canceled by, what, two or three of the leaders over there already? They don't even want to talk to him because we got zero respect. I mean, of course, that's going down a whole other rabbit hole, but he, he hasn't even been to, has he even been to the border since it started? I don't think he has. Well, he, he flew into El Paso and went and looked, from what I understand, he went to and looked at the border at Santa Teresa, which is right at, right at El Paso. Um, okay. But, and I say this all the time, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on and what your capacity is within the government. You That is not an accurate representation of what the border looks like. That, right. that is heavily armed, heavily manned, very, <laughs> very um, oh. detailed and strong fencing. You get 40 miles east or west of there and it turns back into barbed wire. That's where you need to be looking at it, not at the Santa Imagine Teresa entry. He picked the spot that was... Ah, nothing to see here. Look at this. Yeah, we got this under it's control. It's totally wow. controlled here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Gene know Cox. About. I like this because next year those 50 pound packs will be balanced. Probably. Gene's a lot. He's a he's a faithful, loyal listener from uh, just to the east of me over here in Mobridge. So thanks. I appreciate the comments. So well, I'll tell you what, why don't we talk then? Um, we're coming up on an hour, so we're gonna we're gonna try to keep this in around that hour or so. And we've been trying to keep our show. We got me and Jamie got going a little long. Uh two hours is too long, so we've been trying yeah. to keep it down there. But uh, I think we need to visit about what's coming up this week. And uh do you wanna do you wanna recap that or do you want me to go and do that? My talk, you mean? Yes. I'll yeah, put it so up here again. um the North Dakota Farm Bureau uh, District 9 is hosting a their annual meeting. It's a, They're calling it a fall roundup. Yep. Um, and so most of whenever these 
Farm Bureau groups have any kind of annual meeting, they usually have a speaker of some kind. And right. so that's why I'm going up there for that is to speak just to basically what I just told you uh, with a lot more pictures and a little more detail. And um, I'm excited to be able to speak to a different crowd. And I'm, I'm really thankful for the opportunity. Well, and I think you're going to draw some people from the, from South Dakota, because it's not that far from the border, right. uh, very close to Montana. You're going to see a whole new group of people that Good. probably don't have a lot of knowledge of this. So I think it's great. I'm glad that they, uh, I'm really glad that they brought you in because. Me too. When Cheech and I first started talking about this, it probably, it probably started right after the uh, deal in Bismarck. And I said, man, I ought to really get her up here and speak to one of our things. And we talked about doing a district seven and, and district nine thing together, like we did on 30 by 30. And it, it just, it wasn't going to work out that way. Right. And I'm glad that district nine picked it up. And uh, I think it's a great thing. You're going to be exposed to a whole new group of people up there that Good. I imagine there's going to be a lot of questions. Uh, yeah. And I look forward to it. I hope I can answer them all. You know, the one thing that I've learned over the years is, I feel like I'm pretty well versed in everything, but I am definitely not an expert. And I try to preface with any of my talks with that. I, I'm just telling you my story. I don't know. I don't know nope, everything, no. but I can dang sure tell you from our, our experiences. Well, that's probably what makes it so much more real. You're not trying to sell anything, a right. narrative, an ideology. You're just telling what's happening. Right. And people can come to their own conclusions, which I imagine it's pretty much all the same everywhere. Uh, the Most of the time in these groups, it's pretty, pretty much the same mindset. And why wouldn't it be? It's what's right. happening right now. I got another question came in uh, quickly. They said, has there been any uh, county sheriff, have, have their county sheriffs offered any help in repealing the illegal alien invaders on their property? What kind of involvement have you had from your sheriffs? Oh, gosh. Well, um, you know, there's this council of Border sheriffs, I think is what it's called. They okay. have, um, I think that's what it's called, something similar to that. <laughs> they have meetings and talks and there's several that uh, border county sheriffs that are part of that, that do a great job and do all the, all the fighting that they can for it and supporting their counties. Some counties are just, they don't care. And, you know, our right. sheriff prior to the sheriff we have now, didn't do much. Um, he kind of, I guess he felt like his hands were tied and he just didn't, didn't do very much, but the sheriff we have now is wonderful. I'm really excited to have him. I think that border residents, especially within our County are going to have a lot more support and feel like they, um, feel like they can defend themselves a little bit more without being in trouble. And I think I'm really excited to have him in, in office and I think he's going to do a good job, but yeah, it just depends on the County. You know, it, Cochise County in southwestern, or excuse me, southeastern Arizona, they have a phenomenal sheriff and they've done, they've been very proactive in fighting the border issue and helping making sure that their residents are safe and making sure they had, you know, the calling systems and all the, the ability to be where they needed to be in case of an emergency, because it's so remote out here. You're 70 right. miles from any other oh, wow. town very little cell phone service, two lane roads. It's just super remote. So there we've been lucky to have Cochise County Sheriff there and, and we're very fortunate to have the sheriff we have now. So it's going to be good. Well, that's good to hear. So the guy that you have now, do you suppose, did your previous one retire or did he get yeah. defeated in his election? Well, he got, he, um, he turned out. And so, and this, um, the sheriff we have now won, and he's going to do a great job. Yeah. He was with the state, 
police for several years. He did work directly with the drug task force of some sort. I don't know exactly what it was, but he has okay. a lot of drug experience and, um, which and is very helpful here. Huge. <laughs> huge. He's, he's very knowledgeable and he wants to do a good job and we're very thankful to have him. <laughs> Gene Cox is governor Wuhan. Any help? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. No, don't even get me started. She's, she doesn't <laughs> care. She doesn't want to care. She's about as bad as Hobbs over there. In she Arizona. is. She's got her. She's got her votes, and and she doesn't care about any yeah. of us down here. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, mm -hmm. they, the side of the aisle they both come from, from both them states, they don't care. Not yeah. a care in the world about this. Yeah. In fact, I think they invited. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> she wants to do all she can to open it up. <laughs> Isn't that just? It's it's so sad. How delusional does a person no, have completely. to be in their ideology to just not, just to completely ignore what they're seeing? Well, she wants the votes and that she knows yeah. that's the only way she's going to keep about winning. power. So. It's all yeah. about power. You know, it's kind of like we say on anything, even when we're talking gun politics here, guys, it's about power and money. Mm -hmm. Follow power and the money and you'll find the problem and the root of it. And then it's what, can you do anything about it? Uh, a lot of times, no, unfortunately. Yep. So, yep. well, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, my plan is I'd like to get up there and Saturday and uh, be there. Yeah. I, and uh, I, I'm going to see if we can't get all of Scott and get, get you guys. I think that'd be a great, great Saturday morning thing. I mean, he's a hunting and outdoor show, but he also talks about, you know, shooting and politics to a point and any big private property rights guy. And he discusses that quite a bit. So I don't see where this, I mean, heck, let's just talk about that. I bet it makes hunting a little difficult down there. I mean, people are probably a little scared. Well, and so we're very different from your country because we're very, okay. we're public lands. So we're very checkerboard. We've got deeded mixed with state. We mixed with okay. BLM. It's hard to control access for hunters anyways. And those that do come through their locals and they know the area, they know, they know, you know, what they're up against. And so um, it's probably not much of a concern to them. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of, like I said before, you just turn a blind eye to it if they see anything but we rarely get anybody out here that's not a local that doesn't know what, what they're getting into. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because I can tell you right now, people can come up here pretty easily and they don't have any knowledge whatsoever of the area. They come from another state. And, yeah, they, they're not going to run a risk of being killed uh, because they're out right. there. And, we're, you know, if I came down there, sounds like that probably you don't, you'd want to have a local with you at the very least. Yeah, and I, you, I, I don't think we've ever seen someone down here that doesn't have a local or doesn't know what they're doing, like what they're getting in themselves into. It just okay. doesn't happen. No, nobody comes down here. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that far <laughs> south, I suppose. I know there's a lot of uh, big mule deer and, and elk mule deer. that takes place, you know, in New Mexico, but right. it's probably not down in your area. No, we have we have lot, we have quite a bit of mule deer yeah. and antelope, but. Um, it's just different. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's just uh, new, the only place I've really been into in New Mexico is the Whittington Center. And that was fantastic. And they got a lot of hunting there. But uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a bit different <laughs> than where you're at. Very. So. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I'm going to plug this one more time here. I know Cheech will love it. Uh, guys, that's going to be Saturday night. It's going to be at Pheasant Country Golf Course in South Hart, October 21st. That's a Saturday. 5 p.m. is the social. 6 p.m. is the meal. Being sponsored by the North Dakota Farm Bureau District 9 Young Farmers and Ranchers. They got a gun raffle going on, some prizes, game night. Uh, it looks like a bunco tourney, uh, beanbag toss. And then uh, it says dress in your best caddy shack attire. But 
I imagine not going to have a lot of Western cowboys doing that up there. Who knows? <laughs> but if you need any more information, hit ndfb.org. Again, ndfb.org. Or email me here at guns at guns in the 701, and I can give you information to this as well. And I encourage everybody to go out there if you're in the area. Go out and listen to this. Go and see Erica because she's got she's just got a wealth of information. We just tip the ice, it's just the tip of the iceberg here. So Eric, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you. I sure appreciate it. All right. Well, you have a good trip up here and hopefully uh, we can we can chat again. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good Bye. evening. All right, guys, that was Erica Valdez. She did a great job. And I, again, I can't, I can't say enough. Go out there and go see her speak here on Saturday night. I think she'll enlighten you as to what's going down on the border down there. I can't imagine living with that, having private property like they do, and there's nothing you can do. That's why I said it, it, it's infringing on your Second Amendment rights. It's infringing on your carry rights. It's, it's violating your private property rights. I'm telling you right now, that is a war down there, and and it is. It's an invasion, and it's it's two fronts now. I mean, you've got the drug cartels, and, of course, you've got the illegal aliens. Two separate fronts on that that even I really wasn't that aware of. So, guys, we'll see what she's got to say if you're in that Dickinson area. I think it'd be well worth the trip to go and visit with her. And I don't know what the answer is either. I mean, I know what my answer would be, but I don't know how popular it would be. So, tell you what, I'm going to take a quick break here. We're going to thank some sponsors again. Then we'll come back, and I'm going to hit on a 2A bullet point, and then the Patriotic Company of the Week. Be right back. Lawler Auto Repair. They're located at 309 South Washington Street in Bismarck, North Dakota, or give them a call at 701-258-6308. The team of mechanics at Lawler Auto can tackle any problem your vehicle is having, and when you do business with Lawler, you can be assured you're doing business with the Pro Second Amendment America First Repair Shop. There's plenty of other auto repair shops in the Bismarck Mandan area, but why take the chance of patronizing a shop that might not have your beliefs at heart? Make no mistake, Lauer Auto is your pro Second Amendment repair shop. When you talk to the guys at Lauer Auto, don't forget to tell them you heard they're a sponsor of Guns and the 701 and that you appreciate their support of our pro Second Amendment, pro North Dakota, live stream and podcast. That's Lauer Auto Repair, 701-258-6308, located at 309 South Washington Street, Bismarck, North Dakota. Guns and the 701 is sponsored by the Blind Guy of North Dakota for all your custom window coverings. You can contact them at 701-222-3932. They're freedom-minded, they're patriotic, and they love the Second Amendment. This husband-wife team was born and raised right here in North Dakota and based out of Bismarck. Again, for your Second Amendment company, for all your custom window coverings, the blind guy of North Dakota, 701-222-3932, or visit them on the web at blindguynd.com. All right. Again, thanks to Lauer Auto Repair and the boys down there. I tell you what, Axe does a great job. 701-258-6308, 309 South Washington. If you can't find that, if you remember where the old Walmart was located, where the Runnings is now there in Bismarck, just head north of there, and you're going to run right into their place there at Lauer Auto. Go get a tune-up, get things checked out. Uh, deer season's coming up, guys. You might want to make sure that vehicle's running good. So one of the 2A bullet points tonight, and I'm, I'm cutting this show a little shorter tonight because it is just me now. And uh, one of them comes from basically we like bear stories here. Jamie and I have had a lot of bear stories on here. Well, this one is uh, no different. There's a myth to bear spray. You know how they keep pushing the hikers and hunters. Just carry bear spray. 
it'll do the same. You don't need to have anything to defend yourself. Talk about just talking about not being able to defend yourself. Well, it's the same thing in a lot of these uh, places where bears are. This one happened in Canada. So the big thing is you see a lot of times uh, from outdoor experts on the outdoor channels is you can bet your life on bear spray. I've actually seen some of those commercials. Well, it proved to be a fatal fantasy here about a week ago for a couple hiking in the Banff National Park in Canada's Alberta province. Well, we all know what the things are as far as gun laws in Canada. Well, now, now we know what the tragedy is of it. The couple and their dog were attacked and killed by a female grizzly bear. Their partially eaten bodies were found near their campsite by the park rangers. Now, they think they got the one. They found a bear. They, I don't know. I couldn't find any information as to whether they actually tested to see if this bear had actually eaten. But uh, basically, they said that this is the likely offending bear, and it was euthanized. And a short time later, by the same team, heavily guarded, heavily armed park rangers. So the park rangers were heavily armed. They had the weapons. They had the, the means to take care of something like this. But if you're in Canada, you can't do that. They uh, In their report, a fully discharged bottle of bear spray was discovered at the scene. And the, evidently, it did nothing to the bear. So lesson one here. The bear spray will protect you fantasy has been sold to naive hikers for years. It may work sometime. But uh, I wouldn't bet my life on it. And this couple shouldn't have either. As you can see, it ended in tragedy for them. Uh, the writer of this particular article even put in his own little thing and said, I don't like betting my life on things that usually work, particularly when they're gleefully promoted by people who themselves have never personally entered the woods and less heavily armed. And that's a good point. A lot of these people, they've never faced these things. And in Canada, as I mentioned, you can't hardly go armed, especially with, with a handgun. It's pretty much impossible. But they protect the bear, especially the grizzly bear. I mean, to the nth degree. Uh, his advice is, and, and this is what I used to carry when I'd go out to uh, Wyoming and go hunting or Colorado with my buddy out there, uh, a 44 mag revolver loaded with heavy solid bullets that are going to have enough sufficient penetration to reach a bear's vital organs. And I can tell you even that, that is, <laughs> that's not a guarantee, guys. It might, you still might have problems out there, even if you're carrying a 44. I was using bullets that were produced out of the Black Hills uh, completely led uh, through my 44 mag when we were out there. And, and they they would at least give a guy a fighting chance. Uh, lesson two, be selective with regard to whom you're taking your advice from. Ask yourself, is this a talking head promoting the party line and an agenda-driven fantasy designed only to protect bureaucratic careers? Or is he really interested in the preservation of your own personal good health? Good question. Because a lot of these laws they make, like California for years, you couldn't hunt, you could, they banned hunting of mountain lions. What did the mountain lions do? Start attacking the people that were hiking and using those trails because there was no resistance. Well, it's no different with bears. So anyway, that's my 2A. Um, I would say I wouldn't put a lot of faith in pepper spray or bear spray or anything other than a firearm to protect yourself when you're out there hunting in the woods where there's bears and bear country. So that is, I'm just going to keep that at one tonight. And by the way, Jamie keeps chiming in. Uh, you know what? Jamie actually, he ended up getting some uh, pumpkin. What is this? Pumpkin spice coffee from Defender Coffee. <laughs> so you guys can give him some crap on, uh, on Friday morning. Another thing I wanted to mention, and I think Marty's still aware of this, that we are planning to do next week. Uh, Jamie's going to be gone on vacation again. So we're going to try to do, I think that was the plan. The uh, 
scary Halloween hunting stories. So if you got any good Halloween scary stories, they did this on K-Fire last year, and there was some good ones. I know so Marty has sent some good pictures to us that were kind of interesting. I don't know what that was on the road, Marty, but it didn't look normal human or of this world. And then there's the Bigfoot stories and things like that. So if you got any cool stories, please send them in, chime in that night. Uh, we'll read them here on, on air live, and we'll uh, do a little bit of talking about Halloween and some scary stories, I guess. Another big announcement, K-Fire, KFYR, 5.50 a.m., Mitchell in the morning, Friday morning, new time, 8.15. We'll be on from 8.15 to 9 o'clock Central, of course, 7.15, 8 o'clock Mountain. And we're going to be on there for 45 minutes. So, guys, tune in. We're going to be going 45 minutes. And, uh, yes, this could lead to something new coming. And we're uh, excited to do it. Me and Jamie stopped and talked to Todd here last week when I was up there. And really happy with what we're going to go uh, and do over here and see what we can do on 5.50 a.m. So, again, remember, new time, 8.15 Central, 7.15 Mountain in the morning for 45 minutes with Mitchell in the morning on KFYR. 5:50 a.m. radio. So tune in again on Friday. Jamie should be back with us. And again, Wednesday night, Marty Beard, myself, and scary stories for Halloween. So see what you can come up with and uh, send them in to us. Otherwise, I'm sure we can fill this uh, fill the void ourselves. I want to thank everybody tonight for tuning in. We had another great show. Eric was a great guest. Uh, we're gonna have some more guests on here in the coming weeks. I got to talk to Luke uh, Simons especially with the legislative session coming in the session on Monday with a special legislative session. But Luke's got a, a story about basically how having uh, the improper licensing on his vehicle led to a charge that basically has suspended his firearms rights. And you're not going to want to miss that. That'll be a special edition, either a Tuesday or Thursday night. Uh, we can't do it on a Wednesday night. So we'll try to get him in here on a Thursday or a Tuesday night. And we'll let you guys ask him questions, see what we can come up with. With that, everybody, again, thanks to our sponsors, Lauer Auto Repair, down on 309 South Washington Street, 701-258-6308. And the Blind Guy of North Dakota, blindguynd.com. And uh, you don't want to miss out on getting some great blinds. And uh, if, you guys, if you talk to Jamie, you know he's got some good blinds in his hunting shacks, and that's all because of Wyatt. So... Go ahead and give them a, v a visit on blindguynd.com. Thanks again for listening in, everybody. Uh, tune in next week. Again, don't forget Friday morning, new time, 8.15 Central, 7.15 Mountain Time. With that, have a great weekend. And always remember what I always say, keep your powder dry. Catch you next week, everybody.